Hello everyone and welcome to this episode of Project Shadow. My name is Charlie, you might know me better as sci-fi fantasy writer C.E. Dorset, and this is a hard episode for me to do, but for none of the reasons that I usually say that in an intro. You see, I have a weird superstition when it comes to shows I like, either on Fox or Netflix, and it makes it hard for me sometimes to discuss shows on either because I seem to have this knack of the moment I say I'm interested in something, it gets cancelled. And I realize that it's completely illogical and irrational for me to think that I have anything to do with that, but it keeps happening. Um, see my statement about Travelers a couple weeks ago, where we finally decided to watch the show and get caught up and we're really enjoying it. And would soon be talking about it on the podcast. Like, the day after that episode came out, Netflix canceled the show. So, yeah. The same thing happened with The Expanse, by the way. I announced on the show that we liked The Expanse, and then Sci-Fi Channel canceled it. I, I have weirdness when it comes to these things, and... Well, there are some things that I talk about just because I would talk about them no matter what, like Star Trek. It's one of the reasons why I haven't really talked about the Orville on this show, but I might make an exception. I'm, I'm, there's a lot going on on that series that I would like to talk about. But yeah, I, it, it's weird of me, I know. And yeah, you're going to say, but you talked about Umbrella Academy right away, because they had already announced that it had a season two, and... Yeah, I don't know. Okay, so today we're talking about The Dragon Prince. It is a fantasy show, very clearly in the kids category, up on Netflix, and I want to talk about it today. If you're not familiar with this show or its premise, it is about two brothers, Callum and Ezrin, who live in a world where basically various kinds of elves and dragons live on one side of the world and they are separated from the human kingdoms by the breach and the humans kind of invaded dragon territory causing the dragons to get angry they have also done many other terrible things the series begins with a Moonshadow Elf attack on a human city, and that's where we meet all of our characters. Um, I don't think this is a spoiler because it's the setup of the show. As they are preparing to leave, the two princes, Callum and Ezrin, discover an unhatched dragon egg in the castle and take it with them, with the idea that if they can get it back to its home in Zadia, they can prevent a full-scale war. Okay? That's the premise of the show. It's a very good show. 
The animation took me a little bit of time to get into. It looks to me, and I may be completely wrong about this, but it looks to me like they're using cel-shaded 3D models to do the animation in the series. Though periodically it does look hand-drawn, so it's possible they're using a combination of the two in an attempt to speed up production. Not 100% sure on that, and honestly, it's one of the least interesting things about the show, so I didn't haven't really looked into it. But the animation style did take a little bit for me to get into. The story didn't. I, I like the story, though. It, it has a uh, predilection for uh, fart jokes that uh, I, I do not share. But if that's your thing. Yeah, I don't know how much else I can say without getting into spoiler territory, so let's just do that. So, if you have not seen Season 1 or 2 of The Dragon Prince, and you don't want to be spoiled, you might want to go watch it and come back and listen to this episode. We are going to spoilers in 5, 4, 3, 2, and 1. Hi. I'm trying to be overly generous as far as spoilers go in this show, because... While the trailers um, give away a lot of the story, I, I just didn't, you know, I wanted to be nice. So, some of the things that, you know, I probably should have mentioned before going into spoilers. Callum is voiced by Jack DeSena, who voiced Sokka on Avatar The Last Airbender. And the show is, and I apologize for this, created by Aaron Ehas. That's how your name's pronounced? And, uh... Justin Richmond and Aaron Ehas, if you don't know, was one of the main writers for Avatar The Last Airbender. So you may have encountered this show for the first time when season one came out and everybody was doing their videos and podcasts and blog posts. Is this the new Avatar The Last Airbender? And no, the live action Avatar The Last Airbender is going to be the new Avatar The Last Airbender because that's not how fiction works. Um, I think the question they were trying to get to with that is, is this as good? Mm, I don't think so. Like, it's a good show. Don't get me wrong. It is a good show. But Avatar was something special that in that the characters, the story, the actors, the animation all aligned into this perfect alignment that made for such a perfect story that a lot of people like myself are still talking about it all these years later. And in a way that kind of hurt its sequel series, The Legend of Korra, because it didn't have that same level of precision that Avatar The Last Airbender did. And I don't think it's fair to expect it to. Like, I like to talk about how some shows and properties and stories and what have you just have ruby dust sprinkled on them. Avatar was one of those things that did just have ruby dust sprinkled on it. It's a show that, for all intents and purposes, should not have worked, but it did. The Dragon Prince, on the other hand, is, with a few exceptions, a fairly by-the-book fantasy story. Though, they have done some interesting things with their world building. The, 
though I would say, unlike Avatar, which was hmm, the world and the character of the world played such a huge role in the setting, I don't feel that to be the case as much with the Dragon Prince, at least not at this point. So that, to me, is one of the things that I find lacking. And, and I get it. The angle that we're approaching the story from is primarily from the human point of view with the occasional input from Rayla with, you know, her perspective as a moonshadow elf. And I, I'm fine with that. But it doesn't get as deep into the world building as I would like it to. I would like to know more about the dragons. I would like to know more about the world. I would like to know more about the war. There is this statement that's made all throughout season one and two about how humans, unlike the other races, are not connected to magic. And we'll talk about that a bit more when we talk about Callum's story. But... I feel like that needs some explanation to me. Like, at least some hand-waving, because going back to Avatar, for example, we were told very quickly, very early, that some people born into each nation have the ability to bend one element. So among the Water Tribe, some people, like Katara, can do water bending. But it's rare, but they can do that. Only one person on Earth can bend multiple, uh, on the planet, can bend multiple elements, and that's the Avatar. And we're not given an explanation of this, really, um, until much later in the series and then much more in Legend of Korra. But it's enough to understand oh, okay, so most people are like us and just normal, everyday people. Some people have the ability to bend one element, and one very special person has the ability to bend all four. Okay. You know, it's at least hand-waved away. Simply stating that humans are not born in touch with magic and are not magical creatures, that is a very common trope in fantasy, and I'm not against them using it, especially the way they used it. I think Callum's story is very interesting for the way they used it. But it would be nice if they would have backfilled that. They would have given us something that would help understand the difference between the magic butterflies and the regular butterflies. And the magical animals and, say, the horses and other natural the deer and other natural animals and because that's not explained as well as i think it should be um the explanation that claudia gives throughout the series that since humans were not born with magic they through their own ingenuity learned how to take it and utilize it from other people and that's what dark magic is feels hollow in some ways like if if and I, I get that you know we're not supposed to take Rayla seriously in that she's not making valid points you know she is a quasi antagonist and not really a good person 
in the majority of the story, she kind of bounces back forth in a very interesting um, relationship to heroism. It, it would be nice if we had, even if it's wrong, an internal series insetting reason for why humans are not born with an arcanum that they're not born in touch with magic or one of the primal forces. I, I, I have a feeling that what Callum is eventually going to learn is that they are, and he's not going, the series is going to go one of two ways. And I, Oh, hmm. there's lots to unpack there. We'll talk about Callum in a minute. Um, because we have to talk about Callum and Ezrin in a moment. Rayla has been a very interesting and a consistently interesting character throughout the story. I've really enjoyed seeing her development as she has come to understand the differences between how she was brought up to be an assassin and her actual desired role in the universe, like what, what, who she actually wants to be. I, I, I like the way they've done that and they've really done a very good job at showing her development as a character. And in some ways it very, um, very well mirrors the path that Rayla, not, I'm sorry, I'm talking about Rayla, that Claudia has been on as we see Claudia getting darker and darker and darker. And so as we watch one character move towards the darkness and one character move towards the light and kind of crisscrossing it at one point during the story, it, it has made for a character dynamic on the show that has been really interesting to watch that we don't have to, we, when we meet a character, when we encounter any of the characters, we really have to investigate what their actual goals are because none of the characters are really black and white with the exception maybe of Ezrin. And I think that's more to do with his age because he's so young, but all of the characters have fairly murky goals and none of them are truly heroic or villainous in and of themselves. And that's a cool thing. That That's a really cool thing to see, especially for a show that is primarily targeted towards kids. The morality is often a lot simpler than that. And I have to give the show kudos for, you know, really challenging our expectations on what the characters are. Having said all that, my, hmm, the most interesting character that they've put forward in the series is Callum. And I don't think that that's a mistake. The show really is primarily from his point of view with a little bit from his brother Ezrin and some from Rayla's perspective. And in season two, Callum really does become the viewpoint character that we are increasingly seeing the world from their perspective. So, for example, when um, Claudia and Soren 
track Ezrin and Callum down and Rayla doesn't trust them and sets up all manner of traps to figure out and prove that they are not trustworthy and not, you know, who they seem to be. We are constantly reminded by Callum that they're his friends and that he has this long relationship with them. And one, I'm not sure how to say this, but one of the things that really struck me about that is we get to see, especially Soren, you know, we get to see the relationship between Soren, Claudia, and Callum prior to him having to flee. And Claudia is nice to him, but rather aloof and clearly sees herself as better than him. Soren is downright mean to him and not in the, not in a playful joking way. And for me, at least that made the experiences that Callum was having with them when he was trying to justify to Rayla that he knew them and he trusted them because they have this long friendship that became a little bit hard for me to buy because they didn't, I mean, Claudia always seemed to make time for him and seemed to like him as a person and possibly even more, but Soren, Soren was just a jerk to him. But then again, I mean, Soren's just kind of a jerk to everybody. And maybe he just wrote that off of that's just Soren being Soren. Cause you know, that happens when you meet people like that sometimes. But I felt like, I felt like Callum wanted to maintain their friendship more than he actually had a reason to believe that they were telling him the truth and actually on his side. Especially when Soren lied to Ezrin about their whether or not their father was dead. When Soren outright says that they're there because Callum, you know, because Callum and Soren, well... So Ezrin's father, I'm getting lost in the names here, because Ezrin's father, Callum's stepfather, missed them and wanted them to come back. That should have been a bigger red flag for him. And I think this goes into the character growth that he had to have this season, where he was learning to see things truly as they are and not how he wants them to be. That really seemed to have been his character arc in season two, but it really played hard. I mean, it really played hard because I don't know if, if I knew that somebody was dead and here comes somebody that was always kind of mean to me saying that you're there because they're still alive and want you to come back for me, at least that would have been a much bigger red flag than it was for Callum. But again, you know, his whole world had been ripped out from underneath him. And I understand him wanting to hold on to some semblance of his former life. And the only thing that he had to do that with was, you know, unfortunately, Soren and Claudia. Now, Callum's experience learning magic was fascinating this season. Because with, at the end of season one, 
throughout season one, Kellum was able to use magic through the use of a uh, primal stone. It was a stone that literally had a storm trapped inside of it, and he was able to channel the power of that storm to work his magic. At the end of season one, when they discover that they have to hatch the dragon egg immediately, he shatters the primal stone to release the storm because a storm dragon's egg can only hatch in the eye of a storm. And so they set up this whole thing for season two with Callum wanting to learn magic and wanting to find a way to practice primal magic. And of course, this is where it becomes very important in the story that humans are not connected to an arcanum. They don't have this secret connection to the primal forces that the magical creatures do, which allows them to use magic. And what's interesting in the way that they actually had him discover his magical powers and actually connect to the air primal was not was not exactly the way I expected it to happen. You see him trying to meditate on the air primal and you, you see him doing all the things that you kind of expect in a story like this. And what actually does it is when he fully goes to the dark side, uses dark magic to save a dragon, and starts paying the price for that. He's initially tempted to just give in and use dark magic. And once he resists that temptation, he then goes through a very psychedelic journey where he discovers his own innate connection to the air primal. I, one, was surprised that they actually let him have such a psychedelic journey to get there. It was beautiful. It was brilliant. It was wonderfully rendered. It was wonderfully animated and really made sense with the character in the setting. I'm glad that they let that happen. But I'm also surprised that they didn't make it simpler. And this, to me, is one of the strengths the show has to rely on. Because he actually had to work through it. It wasn't a boon. He didn't just, oh, here you are, you're granted the Arcanum of Air. You know, it wasn't something that was given to him. It was something that he had to struggle for and something he had to fight for. That is usually the opposite of the way these kinds of stories go. Where, you know, they find a crystal or they find some being like when they encountered the moon, the moon priestess, I thoroughly expected her to do something. And even if it was fake, because we learned that she's an illusionist, even if she gave him an illusionary primal stone that he would eventually learn that he didn't need, but you know, a crutch to get him there, you know, th those were the ways I thought the series was going to go with it. And to have him actually go on this deep, introspective, interior journey where he has to learn the truth of the wind. He has to learn what the primal of, you know, actually learn the arcanum of air himself. It, it was a wonderful build, um, piece of character building. 
It was a wonderful piece of world building and did a lot to increase my view of the show. Because I, I had enjoyed it in the same way that I enjoyed Three Below. Um, it's a, it's a decent show. It's a fun show. I enjoy it. But, you know, I'm not one of those people that would call it deep or, you know, anything like that. It was a, it was a fun show. This kind of added a certain amount of depth that you could really take a lot of time, as you can tell, since almost all this episode's been about it, um, talking about and discussing and probably still not be done with it because of that wonderful moment where he has, where he learns that he had to be his own sail. It was one of those moments. It was kind of like when Rayla realized that they couldn't abandon the dragon. It was a moment where the show even with its fart jokes and very puerile humor, took a stab at depth that wasn't just, you know, a, you know, shovel and pail that you would take to the beach, but actually dug in and said stuff that mattered, that really meant something. And I'm glad that it went there. I really am. I'll probably talk about this more in a future episode because I I'm fascinated by the system that they've set up for that and how it actually relates to games like the final fantasy series, which I really, upon watching that and how that all panned out, I just felt like, you know, they play final fantasy 14 because it really felt like it, but We'll talk about that probably in a future episode if you're interested in that or if I just can't stop thinking about it and have to get it off my chest. So beyond that, the the show has done some things that I was surprised to see, especially for kids entertainment. Um, Though I do feel with season two, it veered much more towards all ages, but, you know, family entertainment. But the fact that one of the characters is death, you know, his death his aunt Umaya. That is fascinating. I wish they uh, subtitled her more because my experience of sign language is not as good as it should be, but I, I do love that she is such a formidable fighter and yet is deaf. That that was wonderful. I also was shocked that they put in a uh, lesbian royal couple and of course gave them a tragic backstory where they both die, because of course they did. See, so many previous episodes about how the gay couple has to die, or at least one of them. You can't have the gays be alive. But I'm not going to fault this show for that too much, because like with almost all fantasy stories, your heroes need to be orphans, and so that that's just how they orphaned the one character by giving her two moms. In other words, I feel like they're the, the, her parents would have been dead no matter what happened. And, you know, it, it was interesting that they gave her, you know, two badass moms that, that was very nice. And I'm almost out of time for this episode, but I can't end without mentioning, um, Aravos, I don't know what they're going to do with Aravos. I don't know who Aravos is, 
but uh, that's not a good thing. I don't know what else going on there with Varen and Avaros, and Avaros, but Aravos, but oh my goodness, he is going to be some kind of a monster villain, and I can't wait to see how that plays out. So hopefully, um, we will get a season three of the show and I haven't jinxed it because I talked about it on the podcast, but yeah, really good show. If you haven't watched it, it's a really good show and one I will probably be doing some more dives into. I do wish that they had given us more about the dragons. This is my constant like problem that I have with the show is I don't feel like it's doing enough world building because when they finally cross into, you know, Zadia at the end of season two and they meet Solregan, we don't know anything about it. Like, we don't know. Like, they have this reaction and it's a giant dragon, but we don't know enough about the dragons to know why that's a big deal. And I kind of wish they had set that up a little bit better. So that when we saw Solregan, we would have been like, oh no, you know, and shared in their reaction. But they have set up a very interesting season three with Ezrin going back to court and with Rayla and Callum crossing into Zadia and with whatever's going to happen to Claudia now that she's given in to the dark magic in such a strong way to save her brother Soren from being a quadriplegic. Uh, there, there's a lot more story here to tell, and I can't wait to see how they do it. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this show and the app that you're listening to me on allows you to rate either this episode or the podcast in general, please do that, especially if you're listening in iTunes or Apple Podcasts or uh, Spotify. Those help out immensely. They tell the algorithm to share the podcast with more people, and that would be a great thing. If you got a buck you can throw my way, in the show notes you'll see a link that says Anchor Community Support. If you click that link, you can join the project at the one, five, or ten dollar levels. That money helps me do everything that I do. And thank you so much for that. If you want to connect with me online, I'm C. Dorset on Twitter. Probably the best place to find me. I'm on Twitter a lot. More than I should be. Um... You can find links to all my social media accounts as, far, as well as everything that I'm doing online at projectshadow.com. Yeah, we're probably going to revisit the series. So if you listen to all of that and you haven't seen it, you might want to watch it. They're very quick. It's 10 episodes. They're like 30 minutes each. Really quick watch. Anywho, until next time, don't forget, have the fun. Bye. <laughs>